Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. If you were in a position to make a large sweeping change, what would it be? If it were up to you, what big or at least important issues need to be addressed? Food security for hungry people, affordable homes for families in need, or maybe you'd just like to see the potholes on the road outside your house fixed. Today, we want you to think big. If you were the president, what is the first action you would take on? There are no wrong answers. Just weigh in on how you would change or fix the world as you see fit. Coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Oklahoma's newest Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen is enrolled in the Cherokee Nation, making him only the second Cherokee Nation citizen ever to serve in the U.S. Senate. Correspondent Matt Laszlo has a story from Washington. Mullen spent five terms in the House before moving to the Senate this year. The House tends to be rowdier, which may be why last month Mullen came out swinging, almost literally, when he challenged President of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, President Sean O'Brien, to a fight before Labor Committee Chair Bernie Sanders put an end to it. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. You stand your butt up. Oh, hold on. Big no, hold, stop it. Is that your solution? Every poll. No, no, sit down. Sit down. Okay. You know, you're a United States Senator. Sit down. Active. Oh, okay. okay. Sit down, please. All right. Mullen's a former professional mixed martial arts fighter, and he brings that fighting spirit with him and not just when questioning union bosses. While the Senate's boring compared to the House, Mullen says the Senate's growing on him. Much different. Yeah. Actually, I like it better. Now that I'm here, I like it better. I didn't at first, but I like it better. In the House, Mullen was one of 435 members. To pass a measure you're passionate about over there, you need to convince 217 of your colleagues to agree. Being one of only 100 senators has its perks. You can be more effective, I think, by yourself on the issues that are important to you. I mean, like, let's just talk about Native news. You can be more impactful on Native issues as a senator than you can in the House just because you have, you can do a lot more by yourself rather than have to have 218 agree with you before you do anything. Mullen says another perk of being a U.S. senator is that federal agencies are much more responsive to him now than they were when he was just one in a crowded and rowdy House of Representatives. He says that's been especially helpful working on tribal issues with officials at the Interior Department and Bureau of Indian Affairs. Getting um, BIA to engage with you is yeah. much easier. Yeah. Uh, getting Interior to engage with you much easier. Interesting. And those are all areas that are vitally important to us, right? We're not getting union bosses to engage with you. <laughs> Depends on which ones they are. <laughs> For National Native News, Matt Laszlo in Washington. Thousands of homes on the Navajo Nation have gained official addresses after a four-year project in southeast Utah recently wrapped up. KUER's David Condos reports. Without a home address, a lot of things become complicated or nearly impossible. Registering to vote, getting online orders delivered, making sure an ambulance can find you. That was the reality for much of Utah's Navajo Nation before the advocacy group Rural Utah Project began going door-to-door -door in 2019. This month, the project finished assigning addresses to 3,113 homes. Daylene Redhorse led the endeavor. I am happy. I am just overjoyed 
that I've I've completed this. And I think everybody deserves a physical address. The project gave each home a plus code, a number that pinpoints a location based on longitude and latitude, rather than a street name and house number. Tiffany Ba-Charlie is a public information officer with the Navajo Nation Human Rights Commission. She says the example in Utah could boost efforts to address buildings in Arizona and New Mexico. For Navajo Nation, it would be a good positive impact for them to utilize plus codes. It's just a matter of getting out there and doing the work. Red Horse with the Rural Utah Project says her next mission is to get more Navajo registered to vote and increase their representation. I'm David Condos in St. George. And I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. When you celebrate responsibly, you ensure holidays filled with joy, love, and cherished moments. And you keep yourself and loved ones safe while setting a positive example. Cheers to safe celebrations. Support by Diageo and the Multicultural Consortium for Responsible Drinking. More at drinkiq.com. Support by the Intertribal Agriculture Council. Native producers have historically faced discrimination by USDA programs. You may be eligible for the USDA Discrimination Financial Assistance Program. Application deadline is January 13th at IndianAg.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What big issue is on your mind? If you were in a position to change this country or the world, what is first on your list? For today's show, we're wondering what our audience thinks are the most important issues they would address if they had the power to do so. If you didn't have to worry about Congress or a tribal council or re-election, what executive order would have the greatest impact? Would you make broadband internet available to everyone for free? Get rid of Columbus Day, set a five-minute limit, five limit for public comments at the tribal council meetings, give yourself a million dollars, there we go. This is your chance to announce your proclamation to the world here on Native America Calling. Call in, tell us what you would do. Our number is 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also comment on our Facebook or Instagram posts or on our website, NativeAmericaCalling.com. And today we have a special group of guests, all uniquely qualified to tell us what they would do if they were suddenly president for the day. On the line in Gallup, New Mexico is Isaiah Yazzie. He's a comedian and host of Pickup New Mexico. He's Dene. Hello, Isaiah. Welcome back to NAC. All right, we're going to go back to Isaiah. In Los Angeles, California, we have Johnny J on the line. She's the founder of A Tribe Called Geek and co-founding member of the Fan Organizer Coalition. She's Oto, Missouri, and Choctaw. Hello, Johnny. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. You bet. Up in Crow Country, we're joined by Luella Bryn. She's in Benteen, Montana, where she is the founder and editor-in-chief of Four Points Media. She's Absolaka. 
Hi, Luella. Great to have you back on the show, too. Hey, good to be back. Good to have you. From Ithaca, New York, we are joined by Yananui Logan. She is the president of the National Congress of American Indians Youth Commission and a member of the Haudenosaunee Environmental Youth Task Force. She's from the Seneca Nation of Indians. Hello, Yananui. It's great to have you back on NAC. Hello, now Eskano. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we've got Isaiah on the line now. Hello, Isaiah. You're a comedian and host of Pick Up New Mexico. How you doing? Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for having me. I am doing well. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and get this conversation started. I know everybody's dying to, to share uh, their takes in terms of what they would do if they were president. Luella, I'm going to start with you. Let's just imagine for a moment you are the leader of the free world. You are the president of the United States. You're sitting in the Oval Office as we speak. Maybe you're even munching on a bag of those official presidential M&Ms. I don't know, but you're having fun. You're kicking back. You don't have to worry about Congress. You don't have to worry about getting reelected. What is the first action you would take with that power, Luella? Well, in um, the grand Absalaga tradition, I would be referred to as Madam Chairwoman, um, not Madam President. And I would increase public lands and access to public lands to um, tribal members for subsistence hunting and recreation. Public lands preservation for subsistence and recreation. Okay, I like that. I like that a lot. It has a... You know, actually, I think there's, you know, maybe a possibility some of that could happen. In fact, Luella, any thoughts in terms of how you would actually implement that once uh, once those public lands were preserved in that way? Any thought about how they'd be managed going forward? It's got to be it's got to be a new, innovative way, because how they're doing stuff now is so convoluted and it's so difficult and easily manipulated by corporations and, you know, lobbying organizations that we are losing access to public lands and a, and a lot of our tribes are losing their treaty rights. Um, Crow recently affirmed our treaty rights and that in turn affirmed a lot of other tribes in our region's treaty rights mm -hmm. to hunt on um, non-occupied public lands. But... You know, there, there's so many places across this country that are, are losing access to public land that we have to find a better way. What about uh, specifically there at home on the Crow Reservation and other communities nearby in Montana? Would you make any big changes? Would you address any very pertinent issues? I would allow tribes to in, I would allow tribes to institute tolls on roads going through reservations. Ooh, the damage toll done roads. to the yeah the damage done to the roads um, that go through reservations from the trucks from the semi trucks and the tourism traffic that comes through reservations that okay. they don't stop here they don't spend money here but they're damaging our roads they're they're damaging the infrastructure and I think that a toll on these roads would help um, maintain the infrastructure. Okay, here's the million-dollar question, though, Luella. Would natives be exempt from these tolls, or would we have to pay them, too? I think residents of the reservation, native or not, would be exempt. 
Okay. Well, what you're describing sounds an awful lot like Oklahoma right now, Luella. But yeah, I think there'd definitely be uh, a source of income there for a lot of tribes. And uh, wow, these are some good takes here, Luella. Really appreciate it. Let me ask you a little bit about uh, right now. We have a Native American woman as head of the Department of Interior uh, for the first time in history. Do you think that's made a difference? I've seen some differences, especially in 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 the response, and especially in our area, in the response to um, murdered and missing person cases, um, the task forces that kind of have been put together in response to the murdered and missing unit. So like local area task forces and, and local procedure that has been changed in response to having the, that unit on the higher level. Mm -hmm. um, I think we see quicker turnaround in cases and people being found and even in people being reported. We, we see that and, you know, we live in a crisis area um, in Bighorn County on, on the core reservation, Northern Cheyenne Reservation. Um, we're still in a crisis area, but we are seeing some small improvements. Um, we could see better improvement statewide. Um, well, Luella, but... I, I mean, I know you're a big advocate for MMIW issues. I mean, if you were president, what would you change right now about current policy, either at the federal or state level or county level? What could you do with that power to address? Because that's an issue I know you do a lot of work in. I think that instead of having an MMI unit, I'd have an entire department. I'd have an entire department where if cases come up in these rural areas, they would go out right away. When Selena Notafraid went missing, it took the FBI two weeks to respond to her case. And that was the rapid response team. You know, if we had an entire department dedicated to cases like this, we can get people out in 24 hours. A full department, sure. dedicated, 24-7, 100%, fully staffed. Fully staffed, dedicated, you know, with regional areas that they cover so they know what's going on in their regions. Because every region is different. There's different reasons that people are going missing in these, in these different regions. Okay, um, all right. Luella, thank you. These are some really good, good ideas, uh, good suggestions. Maybe some of them could really happen. We'll find out. Listeners, if you like what you're hearing today, some of these ideas that Luella Brin has just suggested as president of the United States, or if you have some of your own ideas, if you were president, give us a call, 1-800-998. we've got the phone lines open, we want to hear your take. What would you do if you were president for the day? Yananui, you were on the line as well. Uh, you were a college student. I know you go to Cornell, and uh, you've been on the show before. You've talked about a lot of the leadership issues that you and other young Native people face. What would you do as president? Oh, man, I think there's a very long list of, of things I would want to tackle. But I think if, if we're talking about the United States, my, my first um, priority would be divesting from campaigns of genocide around the world that America's currently engaged in. I think that that affects um, our solidarity as not Native people here. When we call for land back, those are things that we need to be addressing, not just here, but around the world. Um, and if we're closing in on, on Indian country, I think honoring Indian treaties is, is the first part about reconciling that relationship, that two-row treaty um, that we talk about um, between the United States and, 
and tribal governments. Uh, but I also think that like surrounding myself with diverse peoples in, in leadership positions is very much necessary um, to, to hear what the needs are across the nation, not just with indigenous peoples, but like I said, that, that solidarity and that support is, is really necessary. And, um, you know, I can go on the, the list about um, MMIW, like um, we just brought up and um, just different affordable housing and language programs, rehabilitation facilities, at the, at the Youth Commission, the NCI Youth Commission, we've seen a lot of times that youth are asking for drug and alcohol prevention programs. They're asking for re rehabilitation um, facilities with cultural immersion and education. And they're asking for accessible infrastructure so they don't have to worry about, you know, maybe if they don't have families that can get them to school, how are they going to get to school? Do they have bikings? Do they have bus? Do they have sidewalks? Do they have lighting? Um, those are things that we encounter a lot when we're at these conferences and interacting with, with youth. And I think that those are things that I would definitely want to tackle. Lots to talk about here on NAC Today. We were imagining if we were presidents, if you were a president, if any of our guests was the president of the United States and you had the power of the presidency, you were sitting in the Oval Office, what would you do? What would you do for your community? What would you do for the state that you live in? What would you do for the country? What would you do for the world? Let us know. 1-800-996-2848. That's our number here at the studio. 1-800-996-2848. We're going to take a caller listening on KUNM in Albuquerque when we come back from this break. How closely have you paid attention to Native issues over the past year? We're going to test your knowledge on some of the big and small questions that came up in 2023 on the Native American Trivia Show. We'll even have prizes for some lucky winners on the next Native America Calling. Are you a Native American healthcare provider, recovery counselor, social worker, domestic and sexual abuse advocate, or traditional healer working in Native American communities? Dr. Ruby Gibson will begin an advanced immersion in healing historical trauma. This online master class in somatic archaeology uses the lens of a seven-generational recovery approach providing powerful modalities and is offered tuition-free to tribal members. Registration deadline is March 1st. Info at freedomlodge.org who support this show. Thanks for listening to Native America Calling today. We're hearing from you about the one issue you'd change if you were president of the United States. If you could fix a single injustice, a decision, or a policy with a stroke of a pen, what would it be? Join the discussion by calling 1-800-996-2848. And one of our producers, Sol, he shared what he would do if he was president, and he says he would return land back to indigenous people all over the globe and make one-day work weeks. So I really like that idea, but maybe make sure they give the land back before the one-day work weeks. Otherwise, uh, I don't know. Just saying, brother. Let's take our first caller of the day, JW, listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico on KUNM. Hello, JW. You're on Native America Calling. Hello, Native American Calling people. Um, I would pick, if you know, the conditions that you the conditions you describe, 
I would first pick as a first tier issue anything that continues the process of female equality. And I would throw in a second tier issue, and that's the restoration of the kind of passenger train network we had before the 1950s when all the subsidy money went to auto and air modes. And the reason for those two issues is that as they rise, they tend to drag a lot of other issues behind them. All right. J.W., I really appreciate your call. I'm sorry, we got kind of a bad signal with you. You're getting a little bit choppy. Uh, maybe call back. Uh, maybe we can get a better signal with you. But at any rate, female equality number one on your list, J.W., really appreciate the call. Next up in Fort Hall, Idaho, listening on station KISU, we have Shell. Hello, Shell. What would you do if you were president? Oh, yes, you, Sean. How are you today? I'm doing great, Shell. So excited you've called. You haven't called in a little while. Yeah, if I was running for president, I would uh, day one I'd tear that wall down because that's where all <laughs> our vegetables, our commerce come from. You know, our bananas and our fresh vegetables and everything else. You know, I was uh, at this, I was at the state capitol building when Russell Means did his uh, presidential speech, and he said he didn't want all the reserva- uh the U.S. to become one big reservation. You know, like. And that wall kind of represents that, you know, we're so limited in what we can do on the reservation, you know. Right, right, Shell. Good call. Tear down the wall. Tear down the wall. Uh, all that produce, those fresh fruits and vegetables that come up across that border. Good call, Shell. Appreciate you joining us. Shell, Fort Hall, Idaho, listening on station KISU. Let's take one more caller now. Thomas, who's listening on Keeley up in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. Thomas, President of the Day, what would you do? Yes, um, I would uh, not only return the lands, but also to create a wildlife uh, system and have a underpass on all the roads, under wildlife underpass on all the major, all the roads on Earth. Everywhere, I guess, we live in Pine Ridge. It's about 2.1 million acres. But maybe that can uh, uh, provide a, at least a basis to start with and eventually incorporate other other places. But the wildlife, uh, bringing back the wildlife would be the main thing because we see here on the reservation, we still live in the 1800s. So uh, it'll be easy for us. Thomas, I like that idea, underpasses. I've seen the overpasses. I know there's that big one right there as you're heading uh, from Billings going up like towards uh, Browning and going through Pablo and those areas there. They've got that overpass for the wildlife, but one that underpasses that would be less, it would disturb the environment less perhaps, or at least from the, you, you wouldn't see them as much. It wouldn't be as noticeable. That's a cool idea, Thomas. I like it. Uh, you know, way. I want to go back to you now and... Uh, Let's talk about this issue for a minute here. We've got two leading candidates for the presidency right now, in addition to yourself, of course, because now you're president for the day. But these are both uh, white guys, older white guys, uh, right around 80 years old. And there's all this debate about, hey, these guys are too old. We need some younger, younger people in there, younger visionary type people. What do you think? Is it time for a younger president in the White House? So I think that um, there's not often enough um, kind of, 
I guess, opportunities for youth leadership to really um, show their voice and their perspective um, in the current country, in our tribes, in our organizations. Um, there'll be times where we champion our youth, but we don't always listen to them. And I think that, I mean, the, the recent presidents we aren't, aren't great and Biden's getting pretty old, but if we're really thinking about, um, you know, how we want to reform and if we want to listen to this new generation, if we want to move forward and not keep on thinking about, um, you know, how things are traditionally done, um, then I think that these youth voices are heard. And a lot of times youth respect tradition and they respect the history. Um, and I think that that won't go away. Give, have we, um, have we turned the, the microphone over to the youth? Or to a younger voice. Okay. Now, you know, you're not only these older white men, uh, the last couple of presidents we have, I mean, what do you think it is that they just don't understand, especially about young Native people such as yourself? What are they missing? <laughs> I don't think that they really understand anything about us. I don't think they've tried to. <laughs> I think that the agenda has been um, kind of written for themselves, and that's where it kind of ends. So if, if, you know, you wanted to learn about Native people, you'd spend time with them, you'd learn from them, you'd listen to them, you'd create spaces for them, and that's just not been done historically. Okay, so showing up at a powwow for a few minutes and taking a few pictures, that doesn't really qualify then, huh? No, definitely not. <laughs> okay. Luella, how about you? What are your thoughts on the age of a president? Does it make a difference? I think it makes a difference. I think that we do need a younger president, but I, th I think that a lot of our youth leaders are tired of old systems. They're tired of the good old boys club. They're tired of seeing the corruption of old systems, and they're not following the same traditional leadership paths that, you know, generally get them in places like the presidency. And, um... Oh. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just uh, thinking, you know, overwhelmingly, you know, I know we've got a, a younger group of uh, guests today, so it makes sense that, that folks would be thinking about younger people in, in the Oval Office. But, Luella, I mean, what's the, what's the cutoff there? I mean, you have to be 35 years old to be president of the U.S. Like, I mean, do you think that's too young or is it like under 40, under 50? What do you think is like the ideal age to be president? I think that... I think that someone in their 50s is a really good age for the presidency because when you're in your 30s, you're, you're, you're barely learning the lessons of your 20s, right? You're, you're in your 20s, you're, everything's a crisis, you don't know what you're doing with your life, <laughs> you just, everything is just so up in the air. In your 30s, you, you're learning those lessons, you know, this is why this happened. Oh, okay, I get it now. In your 40s, you're kind of in your I don't give a damn phase <laughs> where you're just like, whatever, you know, water off a duck, <laughs> duck's back. Your 50s, you're really starting to, like, finally mature into the person that you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And you're, well, I, I say junior elder. <laughs> I say that you're a junior elder at that point. Um, okay. And you, you, you're, you're, you have that wisdom, but you're still young enough to implement it. You're still young enough to learn more things. You're still young enough to, to not be a stubborn old coot 
you're still young enough to all the things. Okay, I'm just thinking about listeners who are in their 40s and you're saying, ah, they're in that phase. They just don't care. Or, Stubborn old coots. You know, we got a lot of different listeners on this show. And uh, <laughs> if you're if you're one of these people that I that Luella is describing as uh, a generation that's just not quite cut out for the presidency, give us a call. Tell us what you think. 1-800-99-NATIVE. And with that, we've got Isaiah Yazi also on the show today, comedian and host of Pickup New Mexico. Isaiah, thank you again for joining us. And what would you do if you were president for even just one day? Well, thank you for having me. Um, I think there's two issues pressing Indian country right now. And, um, and so I have two issues that I would try to solve. And I think um, this first one I could implement on day one um, is, is there's a big divide in Indian country between uh, Indian taco and Navajo taco. <laughs> so I would make it officially the Navajo taco and put all the arguments to rest. Um, as of now, I just got to brag, we do make the best Navajo tacos. So oh, that's the first oh. one I would put, like right when I get into office. Not an Indian taco, Navajo Isaiah, taco. the phones are heating up. The phones are heating up with people all over in the country. <laughs> okay, all right. I think that's all, a bold one. Agree with, that is a bold one, they're bro. They're all going to agree with me because... <laughs> I mean, that's why I was elected president, that promise that I delivered. It's that bluebird flower you folks have. That's what makes the difference. And, yeah, and yeah, and, and we're kind of like New York. It's like the water that we haul. You know how New York pizza is because of the water. Our fry bread is because of the water that we haul. Miles and miles to make that fry bread. <laughs> okay. All we right. So dust in there and everything, so. I love it. I love it. Okay, so that's number one. Officially, no longer Indian tacos is now Navajo tacos everywhere. Whatever tribe, whatever nation, Navajo tacos. What's the other thing you change, Isaiah? Yeah, if you're in Seneca, it's Navajo taco. If you're in Pachanga, <laughs> it's Navajo taco. If you're in South Dakota, Navajo taco. Oh wait, hold on a second. You just called out Seneca. Yananui, are you cool with this? It's officially Navajo taco er, na <laughs> everywhere, even in your homelands. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know about over here. It's not the same. We're, we don't. We're not making oh. the same dish. That's my problem. <laughs> just okay, say yes, right. and I'll make you VP. <laughs> there you go. Just buy, buy them, buy the votes, buy the support. Exactly. Isaiah, what else would you do? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling some of these ideas here. What else do you have on your, on your plate? And the second on your one is. It sounds like a lot of the leaders here um, kind of have everything under control on what issues they would want. So. As a true politician, I'd probably <clears throat> make sure um, that my family is set up, you know. I'd go to some, see what board of directors are open, see what cabinet <laughs> positions are open, um, and hire, like, my grandma for secretary of education. You know, just she could really educate some Americans. Nepotism, just no, no bones about it, just blatant. Just I, I wouldn't get all call your it nepotism. And... I'd call it caring. <laughs> Caring for the people who who take care of you, right? Is that kind of the, exactly the logic like, there? Exactly. Like, figure out which stock options are good and maybe tell my younger brother, you know, about which options he should get and stuff like that. Okay, Isaiah, what about a slogan? Because all these campaigns, all these administrations, it's all about having, like, a cool slogan. What would yours be? If politics pisses you off, I pick you up. <laughs> if politics wow i pick you up nice nice 
What about your colors? Would you have like colors for for your campaign or your admin? Sorry, can you repeat that question? Colors. Oh, camo. Do you have a camo. Camo. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. We're changing perfect. the flag from red, white, and blue to camo. That's happening probably in the first 100 days. Um, but, you know, just very hard-hitting, important issues that Americans really care about that, that I'm going to start, you know, trying to uh, accomplish. Right, right. Now, Isaiah, you host a show that has a lot of satire, of course, but you also interview <laughs> yeah. various political leaders. And, I mean, what, what's the message that you hear from your guests and when you talk about their frustrations with what it means to be an elected leader or a political figure? Yeah, I think a lot of it is being so detached from reality in 2023. I mean, if you think about it, we're still using a system that George Washington invented in 17-whatever, and it's not really working for us in 2023. Um, things are changing. We're a lot more inclusive, and it's not, it's not a white man's governmental – white men aren't running it anymore, and that's what they have to start seeing is – we need to get younger people of color in office, younger um, some women in office, and really a lot of the people who haven't had this voice, we have to have them start, and I mean, running and being in office. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's the important thing is, is telling the young kids as well who are doing a lot of the complaining that they're not doing anything as, as well. Um, and so trying to, like, voting. And so just different issues that young people – um, just trying to educate the young people on what what issues okay. um, are important and having them act. What that, resonates? What resonates? Got yes, it. Well, what resonates. Isaiah, you just mentioned uh, you know the, the idea, the importance of of having a woman elected. And Johnny J, I want to bring you into the conversation now because uh, we were just talking earlier about having the first Native woman as head of of DOI. And what do you think, Johnny J? You're the founder of a tribe called Geek and co-founding member of the Fan Organizer Coalition. What do you think would be the impact of having a Native woman as president of the United States? Well, we definitely have a lot more sense and logic in the White House right off the bat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, our decisions like— Why don't I you tell us how you really like... feel, Johnny J? <laughs> oh, I definitely will because— let me tell you, <laughs> I feel that so much um, like men in power are way too emotional to be in power, you know, and I know the stereotype is that women are too emotional, but I mean, look what happened when you like what's happening in Congress now. I mean, we have some of our senators th trying to throw down in, in Congress, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> And what's worse is one of those senators just happens to be Native, you know? So, I mean, it's, there's too much. Men are just way too emotional to be in positions of power. Um, it's They're too willy-nilly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I've heard that complaint many times uh, levied against men. We're too emotional, uh, too hot-headed. Uh, women seem to take their time a little more rational. They think things through. Johnny J, if you were president, I'm curious, what would you wear for your inauguration reception? Oh, I would definitely be wearing Lauren, Akin Lauren um, Aragon's line, Akinov, 
because, I mean, he's a fantastic native designer and, you know, I mean, he has dresses on display with Disney and that's incredible for a native designer. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I definitely rock in Akinov. And of course, you know, I'd be sporting off those eighth gen blankets. <laughs> <laughs> what about a slogan? Yeah, that would be part of my slogan, actually. It'd be like an 8-gen blanket in every pot. <laughs> <laughs> an 8-gen blanket in every pot. That is a good one. Here we go. Going back to the old uh, Roosevelt days. Awesome. Folks, if you are enjoying this conversation, you are enjoying what you are hearing from our guests and our callers, you need to join this conversation and tell us what you would do if you were president. That's the question of the day. 1-800-996-2848. We've got open phone lines. Give us a call. 1-800-996-2848. Support for journalism that raises the awareness of child well-being to citizens and to policymakers provided by the Annie E. Casey Foundation, building a brighter future for children, families, and communities. Information at aecf.org. Support by Penguin Random House, publisher of Contenders by Tracy Sorrell, illustrated by Aragon Star, the story of John Mayers and Charles Bender, the first two native pro baseball players to face off in a World Series. This and other stories at prh.com slash stories of the land. We're glad you tuned in today to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. What would you do if you were president? That's the burning question we pose today. Tell us what's on your mind by calling 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. Another one of our producers on the show, Andy Murphy, says if she was president, she would create real separation of church and state and immediately boost the quality of public school education and lunches. Yeah, that's a good one. I remember those public school lunches. Not the greatest fare, for sure. Johnny J, back to you. If you were president for the day or for one month, I don't know, a week, what's the first thing you do? Universal health care would be the first thing on my bucket in making sure that we had a fully funded IHS. That way we can start establishing more urban IHS clinics and expanding services at our more rural clinics, which, you know, I think is a real, what we found like in this pandemic the last three years is a really pressing need um, because natives just don't have easy access to the health care that we need. Um, but I would also look into establishing basic, a universal basic income um, because, you know, studies have shown that in programs where they've given individuals at least $750 a month as Mm -hmm. part of a universal basic income, that it significantly reduced like food and housing insecurity and, Uh you know, basically kind of motivated people to, you know, kind of, you know, I know the stereotype is that it would make them lazy, but, you know, it actually gave them breathing room to, you know, do more work and, you know, kind of follow their passions a little more. Well, that's the thing, Johnny J. I mean, that would be like a per cap for everyone. So I'm wondering how you could incorporate that into your presidential slogan, universal basic income. <laughs> right? Free money. <laughs> there you go. Let's take a caller now. Bryce, listening in Eagle Butte, South Dakota on station KIPI. Hello, Bryce. Welcome to the show. What would you do if you were president? Oh, Sean, this is Bryce Edwards and uh... Mr. President, um, 
first thing would be uh, to uh, try to rescind and end the 1913 Federal Reserve Act, which kind of usurped the U.S. Treasury and started a usury against people and nations. And then uh, 1917, the Emergency Powers Act, Every time a president gets into the Oval Office, he signs this Emergency Powers Act, which means you can uh, go to a war and spend trillions of dollars without the people's consent, like what's happening now, all these illegal wars. Mm-hmm. Those two uh, acts would need to end. You'd restore okay. the U.S. Treasury and have peace. The third thing I'd do right away would be to have full disclosure of all top secret documents and patents that that are holding back uh, free energies, cancer cures, uh, UFO technology, all these things that the people need to know that's been oppressed against us. And then for 1851 treaty territory, uh, have all of that uh, understood and the medicine bonds and all of the, the resources and minerals to date uh, we're very rich people here, and yet we've been oppressed by the system. So we're kind of uh-huh. like lost sheep, you know. So we need some real strong leaders at that level in every government. Oh, strong leaders. Thank you, Bryce. Really, that's a good call. Those are some good takes there. Rescind some of these old uh, orders, uh, the Emergency Powers Act, uh, Federal Reserve Act and full disclosure, some of these top secret documents. He mentions UFOs. You know, maybe for once in all, we'd get an answer to uh, to what happened to JFK. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But at any rate, uh, Johnny, I want to go back to you because, I mean, Bryce kind of touches on this because I think a lot of people right off the bat would think, well, what about some of these really bad treaties? Uh, either treaties where, where Native people really got a raw deal or treaties where we were supposed to get a, a good deal, but they just were never honored. I mean, what's your thought? What would do you have any like any kind of concept for what things would be like if all aspects of treaties were enacted overnight? Wow, what a world that would be! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think that would kind of have to be the first thing that, especially if it was a native person in office, they would have to do because you know treaties are supposed to be the supreme law of the land. You know, that's actually written in the Constitution. So it makes no sense that the U.S. refuses to honor the treaties. Um, but I think in doing so, you know, it's, it's I think the American public, like in general, that has no idea about, you know, our history or what these treaties actually are, don't realize that it is in their benefit that the U.S. government honors them. Because, you know, these treaties protect our water rights, our land rights, you know, and it kind of allows us some stewardship but also I think in giving this, you know, in honoring these treaties, it kind of um, also helps kind of heal some of those historic wounds that have happened with colonization. You know, it kind of um, helps reestablish trust and kind of like more open communication and mm-hmm. collaboration in actually managing the resources that we have in this country. You know, Nui, how about you? What's your thought if uh, treaties treaties were honored as part of your presidency? Well, I think that that would go to honoring treaties would be the first step in hitting a lot of those environmental restoration projects that we've been talking about or, or including, you know, women's voices or 
um, doing those those kind of reparations that we're all kind of hinting at um, that health care, that housing, those those treaty um, those treat that treaty recognition would kind of be the start to to allowing a lot of those things to unfold and and what we were just kind of talking about um, I, I think I think it's very important yeah. You know, Nui, I know you're really passionate about clean energy and, uh, you know, there's so much pushback. It's that transition, right? Because people are used to the old way. They're used to fossil fuels. So how would you go about that, approaching that transition and getting people on board with the idea of clean energy? Well, I think that a lot of people are interested, but I think it it needs to be accessible and affordable. Um, I think that the one, the, the main problem with you know, having solar panels built on your house is that it's not, it's not um, affordable for a lot of families. Getting those EV cars, they're so new. They're, they're, not, they're not affordable for Native people, for marginalized people, low-income housing and communities. Um, so I think that accessibility is really important um, to really market this, this clean energy movement that we're trying to, to have. In the infrastructure bill that Biden um, passed, there, there was a to put through, um, you know, EV, EVs specifically to have 50% EVs on the market. Um, but, but, you know, they need to be affordable. And um, I think programming, like in the infrastructure bill, <clears throat> that, that is important and that is included. Um, and that is something that I, I would definitely um, encourage. We uh -huh. also have to think about how EV um, is not always sustainable long-term with its mining in, in other countries. Yunanui, any thoughts uh, for how to make that technology more affordable to the Native families? Like you mentioned, EVs are expensive, solar panels, all that stuff. Um, I think that, I don't know, building, like I don't have all the answers here, but I don't know, maybe building these kinds of um, things in America, not, you know, eliminating those transportation prices and, and transportation, um, I guess, uh, environmental costs, um, if we brought it here, that, that would help. But I think in the infrastructure bill, um, a lot of that is compensated for by having um, accessible pricing vehicles um, and just mm -hmm. kind of having the government take that that chunk of the change. Okay. All right. Thanks, Yunanui. Isaiah, back to you. Uh, would you enact any new treaties if you were president, Isaiah? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Of course I would. Of course I would. I'd probably, oh man, I don't know. I, I know you guys were talking about giving land back to different uh, native tribes. I'd probably do that. Um, some water rights, you know, water rights are very important. I would start building more dam walls so that we keep the water in the reservation, you know, not not border walls, but dam walls. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're talking about dams that keep water in, big stone dam. That's the kind of dam we're talking about, right? With regard to dams, yeah, or, Isaiah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. Or, well, here's yeah, a question. Yeah. What would you wear to your inauguration? Ooh, what would I wear to my inauguration? Probably just a tux, just a good old plain tux, but my hair would be braided. But the tux would probably be made by Patricia Michaels, um, she's a Taos artist, um, so I'd probably have her do like a tux with some native print, um, and then maybe like a fry bread power shirt under it. 
<laughs> that sounds sharp for sure. Luella, how about you? What would um I'm just curious, what would you do with the, with the White House? I know that, you know, they the the first family they get to remodel and decorate and things like that. Any thoughts about that? Oh my gosh, native art head to toe, top to bottom, hallways, oval office, the Lincoln bedroom, everything, native art, then peas, um Monica brings yellow horses, you know, all the, all the Montana artists that I know, all my friends from rockyourbeads.com, our online art gallery, um, they'd be all over the Oval Office, all over the White House, all over, I'd be pushing them into the Pentagon even. Um, yeah, we'd be rocking that native art. What about Air Force One? Would you do anything with the big jet? Oh my God, I'd put... I'd put um, pro pro designs on it. I'd put the the hourglass design on there. I'd put <laughs> pro florals on there. I'd I'd just go I'd go all out. Wow, wow! Anything you'd outlaw, Luella? Anything you would just stop immediately? I would actually stop the the elephant law, um, where where we can't where tribes can't prosecute non-tribal members for um, major crimes. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Uh, and tribal members. Like, we can't, we can't even prosecute tribal members for major, major crimes. So that would, we'd put a stop to that right away, and we'd start prosecuting major crimes on the reservation how we see fit, whether that means putting them in prison, whether that means banishing them, whether that means... Um, sending it up to the feds, you know, however we see fit as tribal sovereign nations, then we would, we would prosecute that way. And I think we would be able to clean up our own backyards that way. All right. Johnny J, how about you as president? Uh, would you ban or outlaw anything? Oh, that, there are so many things I would ban. <laughs> <laughs> Lobbying would be the first thing I would ban. Um, no lobbying anyone anywhere none none um because i mean that just kind of allows for corruption and we've seen the way that it kind of gets leveraged you know people who corporate especially corporations with like endless resources and money can always out lobby the will of the people and we've okay. seen but that time people... and time again but but i mean if you've got an issue or if you've got some kind of grievance or anything i mean how would you present that? How would you move that forward if you didn't have some sort of a lobbying infrastructure? But that's why we have, that's why we have our representatives. They're, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to be doing as representing the people and making sure that our concerns are heard within like Congress, within the House. So I think that, you know, what we need to do is actually make our representatives do their job. Um, and not just be taking kickbacks for, you know, whatever corporation is willing to pay them money. Um, but, you know, in the, also in that same vein, that also means that we have to make sure that every single one of our Native nations has representation. And, you know, we've seen, like, over this last year, a lot of discussion with the Cherokee Nation finally getting one of their representatives in Congress, you know, that was promised through treaties. Like, we're seeing that come closer to fruition. And, you know, that's something that needs to be available, not just you know, to, you know, one particular tribe due to treaty rights, but to all of our Native nations so that we have representation. 
Thank you, Johnny, very much. We've got a time. We got enough time for one more caller, Jeff, who is listening in Laguna Pueblo, New Mexico, on KUNM. Guatsi, Jeff. Welcome to Native America Calling. Hey. Thank you. Uh, great show. Listening to everybody, uh, thoughts and ideas. One of the main things you probably have to work on is the national debt ceiling, in order to pay for stuff like IHS, extra cash, and stuff like that. Uh, I like the idea on the treaties. You know, as far as wearing something to the inaugural ball, I probably choose, choose, choose something traditional. You know, we, we 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 want our land back. We want to be heard. We want to be seen. So why not dress as a native at your own inauguration, right? Instead of, and it's no disrespect to to the folks out there that are Native American designers, but it's who we are, right? So, but yeah, one of the thoughts would be the deal with the national debt ceiling, so so we can pay for stuff. Thank you, Jeff, uh, calling in from Laguna Pueblo and uh, clearing the debt ceiling first, tackling that issue. There's so, so many, so many endeavors that a person could undertake as president of the United States, even for just a short period of time. And we got a really good sampling of some different ideas today. Some of it was funny. Some of it was serious. Some of it actually seemed like things that are actually possible and things that could maybe be accomplished if folks worked together and uh, had the vision and the desire to implement some of these changes. So I really appreciate everybody who called in today to join the show and uh, offered their take as to what they would do if they were president for the day. And of course, uh, our guests were all wonderful today. And a big thank you to those who joined us, Yananui Logan, Johnny J., Isaiah Yazi and Luella Bryn for sharing their thoughts here on Native America Calling and what they would do if they were president for the day. Join us again tomorrow for our Native American trivia show. It's a chance to test your knowledge of the names, places, and issues that people were talking about in 2023. A few lucky callers with correct answers will get a chance to win prizes. That's tomorrow here on Native America Calling. Don't miss it. I'm Sean Spruce. Does your club, institution, or other group need custom branded apparel? A wide variety of t-shirts, hoodies, and much more, all custom printed or embroidered, are available from nativescreenprinting.com, a division of Skyscreen Printing who support this program. Support by Amerind, Indian Country's 100% tribally owned insurance partner. Information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com. Healthcare.gov slash coverage. Game Aganoj, 1-800-318-2596. Gaundinagadig, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.